0: Thank you for tuning in to Convos with Anita Santiago podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also reach out to me at ConvosCWS at gmail.com. That's ConvosCWS at gmail.com. In today's episode, we'll be talking about mental health and spirituality. It's going to be a really interesting discussion And I'm joined by the wonderful uh, Pastor Fred Montgomery, and he's going to be sharing some thoughts with us today. So, let me tell you uh, a little bit about Fred. Fred, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. Okay, so I'm going to tell my listeners a little bit about your background. So, Pastor Fred Montgomery is originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and his spirituality has played a big role in his life as a young person a teenager and a young adult he he had a bunch of different varieties in his church like most of us do um as we're growing up he started um, his formal ministry after graduating from oakwood university with a bachelor's degree in religion um his work background includes Um, of course, his formal ministry as a pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but also serving as a chaplain in many, many different hospitals, providing support and comfort to families in crisis. Um, Along with uh, his hospital work, Pastor Fred Montgomery became a popular radio gospel singer-performer-speaker. And he was well-known in the Cleveland area, and and people were seeking him out all the time. And when you hear him speak, you'll know why. Uh, He also attended the University of Missouri in St. Louis, um, pursuing a master's degree in clinical mental health. And just recently, last month, Pastor Montgomery earned a certificate of completion for her counseling and cultural competency in a global society. Currently, Pastor Montgomery serves as the pastor of the Bethany Overton Park Seventh day Adventist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, one church with two locations. Um, in July of this year, Pastor Montgomery launched the Shop Hallelujah Gospel Network radio station online, and it's doing very well. He's married and has two children. So, Fred, a hearty, hearty welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much. I am just honored to be
0: here with my sister. Well, first, before we jump into the meat of the topic, um, you and I both know as mental health professionals that spirituality uh, plays a large role in how people experience uh, mental health, wellness and symptoms and In the context of this conversation that we're having today, I want to clarify to the listeners what we mean by spirituality. Now, Pastor Montgomery and I are not here to debate uh, spirituality versus religion versus value systems. For our conversation today, spirituality includes all of that. Um, It includes all perspectives. So, um, even though Pastor uh, Montgomery is from the Christian tradition, specifically Seventh-day Adventist, our discussions that we're going to have today are going to apply to anybody that has a faith or a value system. So, Fred, let's jump into it. I'd like you to tell our listeners about your experience as a pastor and how pastoral counseling didn't always meet the needs of your members.
1: Okay, well, let's... Let's, let's start there. One of the things that I've come to understand is that when a person walks through the door of the church, all of their issues walk in with them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't know that. I said, okay, people, all right, people just come into church. But the more I grew as a pastor, I came to understand that people don't come without issues. Uh, there, there are issues of drug abuse. Yes, a term that I learned uh, on the uh, on the clinical side, post traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. People have they have chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. There are all types of family issues. I mean, that's a that's a boatload in itself. You know, incest, domestic violence, favoritism, fatherlessness, and and the list just goes on and on and on. So. As a pastor, um, you know, I was I was trained certain, you know, a little bit of, of what we consider to be pastoral counseling. Mm-hmm. So that means that when they share with my members scripture and prayer, did you, did you want to say something there? Oh, I was going to
0: ask you uh, to, to expand on that because I don't think that people realize or people may not realize that pastoral counseling is not therapeutic counseling. And you were just about to go into that.
1: Yeah. You're just a nail on the head. You start talking about pastoral counseling. You're dealing with um, the methods and the tools that you're giving people to deal with. It's kind of something that they're already using, like uh, like scripture, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Bible, and prayer. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, for me as a pastor with, Pastoral counseling—that's exactly where that help would begin, and that's exactly uh, where it ended. Um, there are a lot of things that I really did not know as a pastor. In fact, I can remember going to uh, one of one of the meetings for for pastors, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the issues that um, our superior shared with us is that listen you're not professional counselors uh stop trying to be a counselor and getting yourself into issues that you know very little or or nothing about can, uh, I, can I
0: jump in yeah. right there can I jump in right there sure. what did you think when you heard that I mean you you have the benefit of being on both sides you you've been on the you you are on the pastor side and you've been on the clinical mental health side so when you heard those words, what went through your mind?
1: Uh, what I, what I, what first went through my mind is is the legal aspect, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because the church can be sued like like any other entity, and uh, so I was thinking in terms of you know this is, this is the church protecting itself mm-hmm. and perhaps protecting its. Its its members. Okay. okay. Um. That's, that's, that's about as far as I took it. The other side of it was me breathing a sigh of relief, you know, because I'd be sitting, I'd be sitting in some of those conversations, I'd be like, "Ooh, Jesus, the blood, the blood, God mercy." <laughs> you know, I, I I just didn't know. I really did. I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And for me, at that point. My superior was throwing me a lifeline
0: Okay, okay
1: Because I could I could be in a counseling session And feel like This is more than I can handle right now But I didn't want to be rude You know, because I was still a pastor And I wanted to be helpful So of course. I did what I knew how to do At that point point. And that was to give them scripture To give them prayer mm-hmm. And to let them know, you know That I would be be
0: praying for them so is is that is that how you found your way to studying mental health i know when we met we were in the program at umso and just interested how you actually end up enrolling into into a clinical mental health program
1: yeah some of it honestly i mean if some of it was on the pastoral side i began to understand that there were some members who needed more than I could provide as as a pastor.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, most of my members then as now uh, are African American. Okay. And you know, there are some stresses uh, that African Americans deal with um, that are just unique, uniquely ours. Yes, you know, not saying true. that other people. Yeah, not saying that other people uh, who have a faith base don't have issues, but there are mm-hmm. some some issues that are just really kind of locked up in the African-American uh, community. Right, right. And I knew that I needed more or okay. well, I needed to be training a, a step further than I had been trained in in order to actually help help my members. Now, did you get... Oh okay. Go, ahead. go ahead. That was one one of the that was one of the avenues uh that pointed me towards towards
0: Compton. Oh okay. Okay. So, what, were your were your superiors really um supportive of you taking this step to study and better understand mental health?
1: Uh they 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 were um I can <laughs> remember. Going to our convention that happens uh, at Oakwood University, mm-hmm. and um, and one of our uh, pastors who now retired said something in the midst of his sermon that just broke broke the uh, whole audience up. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, he said, you know, uh, a lot of our members are crazy and the whole audience fell out and I was like whoa he said no he said no I'm I'm serious there are a lot of our members who have real psychological issues
0: wow what a way to say it
1: you know not to you know not to say that in in a way that's disrespect for anything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, but I believe he, he was trying to make a point in saying that some of the people you are attempting to help, you don't have the tools to help them. They've got real issues.
0: Okay. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, and that was, you know, that was, it was comical, but, you know, they said many a truth are, are spoken, spoken in jest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, And yeah. some of, some of what I was discovering that was overwhelming to me was me actually being limited in in my education, okay, you know, things were coming at me, and I really didn't know what they were or really how how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of put a you know that kind of put a kind of put a face on on the on the figure for me. So that that was one of the avenues um, that brought me to Umsa. Okay. Uh, okay. There's another one. On, that another one that's 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 a little more personal.
0: Oh, do tell. We want the tea.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Um, you know, as as you know, I am I am dyslexic. Right. And for many years, I struggled in school. Um, and it goes all the way back to. Um, Mayfair Elementary School in East Cleveland, Ohio, and um, we had reached the end of the um, reached the end of the school year,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, my mother was called up to the school by the teacher, mm-hmm. and um, when she came there, it was in the middle of it was in the middle of a class, and so the teacher had to. Um, have somebody come in, you know, to, to watch the class while she talked with my mother. And Anita, I can just remember it at clear the day We were standing outside of the classroom by, mm-hmm. the, clo- by the boat rack. Okay. And the lady said to my mother, she said, Mrs. Montgomery, I'll be honest with you. She said, I can pass him on to the second grade, but Frederick is not ready.
0: Wow. And you, were, you were listening
1: to this. You were listening to this. Yeah, I'm standing right out there with it. And my mother said to her, if he is not ready, then don't promote him. Oh, man, that must have been hard. And, she, and tears just started running down my face. I said, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the embarrassment, because all of my friends are going to the second race, Mm-hmm. and I'm going to be stuck back here with
0: the same teacher and everybody's going to know my 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 man i just can't even imagine and then as you know as children we don't really have the vocabulary or the language to express you know what we're feeling it usually comes out in behavior so even though now you as an adult you can reflect and talk about it i mean at the time you were probably just overwhelmed with emotion and didn't have a, a way to really let people know what you were feeling
1: the only thing I knew that I'm, I was going to be labeled as a duck,
0: Lord,
1: <laughs> you, and you know, you know, children can be cruel.
0: Yes, very cruel, and we they see can. that all the time, don't we?
1: Yeah, you know, you know, and, and children like everybody else, they have their own community, and uh, some people are accepted, other people are rejected. Mm-hmm. So, but to make a long story short, that that struggle continued from the first grade all the way into college. Wow. I'm I'm, I'm kind of snipping this editing this story for you for t- for time sake.
3: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: It took it took me 23 years to finish a four-year program at Oakwood University.
0: Wow. And I I and I was going th- I was going to say you know I don't think people realize the long term impact of of mental health issues or problems or learning disabilities because often many people go through their life and they know something's off or not right but they just don't know what it is because they never get routed to the place that can actually help them. So it impacts them their whole life and they struggle and they may not necessarily know what the problem is. I know of three people who did not really get the diagnosis of dyslexia until they were over 30, over 40. And then everything makes sense. So the whole issue of getting people to services and getting help for children is so so important because what you just said just shows how when something is happening and you don't really know what it is and you don't know why it is, but it's impacting your whole life. Yeah, that's pretty I,
1: pretty tough. I was thirty-seven. I was thirty-seven when mm-hmm. I found out what was wrong with me.
0: And how did you? How did yep. you get that diagnosis? What happened?
1: Here's what. Here, here's what happened. I would go to Oakwood, get in academic trouble, come back to Cleveland. I mean mm-hmm. that that journey went for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And finally, I felt like God was impressing me that this was my time to go back and. Let me show you how how wide the spread was. One of my colleagues who started with me when I first began was now teaching with his doctorate degree at school. Wow. That's how far the span was. And while a young man was tutoring me in one of the classes, he stopped. He said, Fred, have you ever been tested for dyslexia? I said, no. I I said, there's nothing wrong with me. I said, you know, I don't see words backwards. He mm-hmm. said, "There's o- that's only one part of it. That's only one portion of it." Mm-hmm. And so um, we continued on that night. And then I went to see my instructor, like I said, who was who started with me. Mm-hmm. And I said, "I think I said Doc Carl thinks I'm dyslexic." He said, "That's the same thing that crossed my mind." Wow! I said, "Are you are you kidding?" He said, "No." I said. Then why didn't you say something to me? And he said, "Because you," he said, "you were trying so hard, and I, I just did not want to discourage you."
0: Oh my goodness. Okay,
1: okay. here's where the story takes a takes a twist. I was sent to the counseling center Ooh, okay. of, the, of the university. Okay. And what they did was they connected me. Uh, with someone off campus okay. who did a battery of tests to discover what I had. Wow. And I can remember this plainest day when the lady came in with the results with the test and she said to me, Mr. Montgomery, it is amazing that you have made it as far as you have. And she said to me, where are you in your studies she said, I know you're an older student. I, I mm-hmm. said, Yes. I said, I'm, I'm you know, I'm I'm a junior now. And she said, It's just amazing. She asked me how old I was. She said, Can you tell me how old you were? So how old I was. And she said, Where did you go to school? I said, I went to school in East Cleveland, Ohio. And she said, I can tell you. She said, What happened to you was a crime. Mm. She said, Because they did not they did not test children of color. Wow. She said they didn't test children, uh, white children who came from the rural areas. She said all mm-hmm. the testing was the suburbs. Wow. And I, I think, and she said, Yeah, go ahead. She said your life could have been so much different if this had been found out when you were in the when you were in elementary school. She said, Sweetie, your whole life almost got stolen from you. And I was just, what I did, <laughs> what Anita, get? what I did was like into what I did was likened to a prison sentence, twenty-three years.
0: Wow, that's a long time. That's a really long time.
1: Yes, ma'am. Yes, or what? So
0: you know, I can see. I didn't know this. I didn't know some of the details about that part of your journey, but I definitely can see now where that passion comes from and. And why you have been so passionate. In fact, you're one of the most passionate mental health professionals I know. And that's why I asked you to come on to the podcast. But I want to go back to, you know, your vision as a counselor. I know we, when we talked, um, when we were in the program, you always had a vision of of bringing spirituality and mental health together. And I just wanted you to describe what that vision is and, and how you see mental health and spirituality working together
1: it's uh, hmm. true I really want to bring uh, two. I, I just consider them to be two dynamic entities mm-hmm. you know clinical mental health and faith based organizations because they both have, have so much that they can learn from, from each other and mm-hmm. um, What the church has to offer is this. The church has to offer a well-established community of people who love and support each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, for African Americans, I'm talking about them because that's the community that I, I live I live within. Right. The church is the backbone of the African American community. There's okay. a group of people who believe in God in general and Jesus in particular. Why? Okay. Because Jesus was created like most African Americans are treated Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what what I hope what I hope to do is to help the church understand that it's not the church versus clinical mental health and it's not clinical mental health you know knocking heads with the church Mm -hmm. they both they both need each other
0: I agree with you on that one it's not a, it's not okay. a battle. It's not a battle. You know, they, they, they are very complimentary.
1: Yes, they, 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 can be, but it seems like for years it's been, it's been, it's been a battle,
3: right on, right. on
1: the, on the, on the faith-based side. And I'm just talking about the Christian church, mm-hmm. and, and inside of the African American community, there was a belief. Uh, that all you need is God, right? Right. You know, you don't, you don't need all that stuff. You don't, you're, you don't need "quote unquote" those people in your business. Mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. you need is God, and you're gonna be okay, right? Well, that's not. That's not true, because there are issues that happen, and what what I I came to understand inside of this program that adults spend their adult life. Trying to unravel what got messed up in their formative years.
0: This is true. This is very true.
1: And, and insiders. The-
0: and I was going to say, we won't even talk about the impact of trauma on top of that.
1: Well, definitely, most, most definitely but inside of uh, the African American community there's this thing it's not so much the church but this came out household what happens in the house stays, stays in, in the house. house
0: if I had a dollar for every time okay. I heard that
1: <laughs> you know. so you got domestic violence that's going on in houses mm-hmm. you I'm, got incest that's happening yep. alcohol is I mean the list is favoritism fatherlessness and the list just goes on and on. You got children who
3: have who have grown up seeing
0: their mothers beaten to almost beaten to death. Right, right. And and you know, and they have been uh, domestic violence with um, you know African American women is very very rarely reported, as well as some of the other things on your list. And we know, as being mental health professionals, just trying to educate people and get the word out has been really you know it can be really a tough a tough um um process to to help people understand you know if you can if you can get to the help um you know mm-hmm. the chances are that you know I, we're not saying everything is going to be perfect and everything is going to yeah. be fixed but the chances of you being able to become more resilient and make it through that tough time it, it, it increases mm-hmm. as um a, as you you know get that kind of ecosystem built around you you know not just mental health but the other types of help that you may need depending on what your situation is but i think you're you're absolutely right on that um and and that has been the background do you feel that um more pastors are coming around and being open to the concept of where it's appropriate when it's appropriate plugging their members into resources
1: I think we are, we're we're getting to that point, and that's what I I really want to do. I want to create a bridge between these two two entities. That you know they don't have to fight each other. They can they can work hand in hand together. I'd mm-hmm. like to see the church community have a connection so that if someone is having an issue, mm-hmm. or there individuals or families that are having issues. There, there is a connection to mental health professionals, right? That's like just like a one, boom, problem, boom, solution,
0: right? And and you kind of did that when you were here. And can you tell the listeners about you put together this mental health fair at the church you were pastoring, and it was phenomenal. (laughs) Like people are still talking about it. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about how you put that together?
1: Well, well, it was. Number one, it was a a class assignment, but I'm so glad because it beat the brakes off me.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: It made me look at my church in in a different way. And so, you know, there is a pastor in the St. Louis area who is a pastor. Also, he's a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. And he was our keynote speaker that night. Um, And we invited other groups to come uh, and be a part of what we were doing in the workshop and sharing with my members, and I had members from other churches and people from mm-hmm. the community who just who just came to hear. Uh, I just believe that that exposure is is it's 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 it's, 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 it's a remedy in itself,
3: right? Yeah.
1: Uh, because people have a tendency to believe that what I'm going through. I'm the only one who's going through this. And that's not true. Right. There's so many people who are going through the same thing that you're going through. You just don't have access to them. That's right. So what we try to do is to expose the community as well as the church um, to what mental health professionals can offer and to allow the professionals to know that there is there's a huge community inside of most churches that's really untapped
0: Absolutely, absolutely and then you kind of built on your theme of um, spirituality and mental health uh, coming together with your um, gospel show and radio station um, Shout Hallelujah Network and um, if you could give the listeners the, the link to that, can you tell us a little bit about how that evolved and how you feel that's helped um, playing into the vision that you have?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I've loved gospel music from from a kid, and for 25 years, uh, that's how I made my living mm-hmm. as a religious announcer. Um, and so. I brought, I brought, let me put it this way. I, I brought dinner and dessert and put them on the same plate. Okay. What's good. What do I mean? <laughs> what do I mean? People love gospel music, mm-hmm. uh, especially people of color. We, we like gospel. Um, it's soothing. It's relaxing. It's encouraging. It's comforting. It's all of those things. And that's something that I can actually do in my sleep. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to do more than just entertain people. As I began to understand uh, the needs inside of the African-American community, I wanted to be able uh, to meet that need. Okay. When I got into the program, I realized how many tools... Uh, that are available inside of the counseling counseling network. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some people, they bristle up the minute that you say anything about anything about counseling. The first thing they will tell you is I'm not crazy. Right.
0: That's the first thing no. that comes out of their mouth.
1: <laughs> and I had to share with people, let me tell you something. I, our counterparts don't have some of the issues that we have because they go to counseling. Right. And so, and so, what I wanted to do is to ease the conversation in while people are enjoying and they are relaxing. They're going to hear bits and pieces about mental health. What does uh, what does grief look like? Um, how do how do people experience grief? Um, I can remember taking a cruise and I was having a conversation. In fact, it was a gospel cruise. Okay. Uh, I was having a conversation With a lady on On the boat And the lady said to me I can't get my husband To do anything I said Um Tell me what that means And she said Well She said This is about the 18th cruise That I've been on He doesn't want to go anywhere He doesn't want to do Do anything and I told him I'm going on this Gospel cruise with you go or not mm-hmm. And I said Okay Tell me what's happening And she began to tell me uh, How he's having Health issues And um and he can no longer work because of these issues. And she went on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And so she said, well, you a man, tell me what you think. And I said, hmm. well, because you asked me. I said, let me share something with you. I said, your husband, it sounds like your husband is in a state of grieving. She said, grieving? What do you mean? He's not tired There's nothing wrong with that man. And I waited until she settled down. Mm-hmm. And I said, for African-American men, what we do is greatly connected to who we are. Yes. So when you ask an African-American man, um, uh, tell, tell, me, tell me something about you. The first thing they're going to tell you is what they do for a living, their occupation. Mm-hmm. I said, he has lost that because of his health. I said, now, these are two huge factors for African-American men. I said, the image of who he is Mm -hmm. is lost because he can no longer work. I said, his body is moving in a way that he can no longer control himself. So he's lost his health. He's lost his occupation. And you said, this is a what? 18th or 19th cruise that you have been on? I said, perhaps now he feels like he's losing you. Ooh. I said, those are three huge losses. I oh. said, I'll share something with you. She said, well, he's never said anything. I said, I'll tell you why. Because we have been trained not to say anything.
3: Right, right. Tradition. The first
1: thing tradition. you start talking, yes, you start talking to African-American male, What's wrong with you? The first response is nothing.
0: Yeah, I'm good.
1: But, yeah. But is he hurt? Yes. Well, I'm good at the new friend. <laughs> but is he hurt? <laughs> yes. You know, because for years, it's what's wrong with you? Ain't nothing. wrong, Nothing. Not- then, if they're, then if they're pressed, something got to be wrong with you. I said ain't nothing wrong with me. That's mm-hmm. to get you to back off. Okay. For them to open up means that there's a chance that they might break down.
3: Right, right.
1: And from that little conversation that I had with that lady, we were going to another one of the islands. And I saw her getting off the boat with her luggage. Mm -hmm. And she said, hey, Rev, how you doing? I said, hey. I said, you're not going back to Florida? She said, nope. I said, "You're, you're ending the cruise here? She pulled me to the side. She said, Rev, I thought about what you said. I'm about to get a plane ticket here and I'm going to fly home to see about my husband.
0: Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting story right there.
1: Pretty interesting <laughs> story. <laughs> that bought and paid the trip for me. I don't know what happened once, once she got home. Mm-hmm. But something clicked inside of her that says my husband's going through something and I, and I, I missed it. Okay. Why is clinical Why is clinical counseling so important? I had a lady talk to me in my office about some stuff that her husband was going through, mm-hmm. and uh, she said, "Well, you know, I, I'm just gonna pray. I, I don't think I need to do all that." And I said to her, "I said it sounds like your husband may have a chemical imbalance, mm-hmm. and I said for you know a pill about the size of the tip of my smallest finger, you could you could probably have your husband back."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and she just looked at me I said I don't want you to think about that but I wish I had some brochures to be able to put in her hand of some counseling centers that she might be able to that she could be able to contact
0: And and I think you did that with the radio show like you would give your listeners resources and ideas and point them to different places so that they can you know leave that experience like you said not just with the music and what you were doing but you know pointing people to resources and the story the story you just told about the cruise just shows that you know for those of us that are really passionate about mental health it's it's what we live and it's what we do all the time not just when we're on the clock because we genuinely we genuinely want to see people do well all people you know we like mm-hmm. you said the population you work with is predominantly african-american that's the same mm-hmm. for me but that doesn't mean that we don't reach out to other people and that's what kind of right. piqued uh, my interest about your your online mm-hmm. uh, radio that uh station that you're doing do you have the link that yeah. you could give our listeners
1: well, all that all someone would have to do is just simply go to Google and put in "shout hallelujah" network on live three sixty five.
0: Oh, okay. And we'll also and drop a link um, in the, in the podcast description too.
1: Thanks. I thank you. Thank you so much because that is what we are laboring to do—to connect people to resources. Here is one thing I found to be true, Anita. Um. Doctors are starting to notice that a person who has a faith base does better when they're having surgery.
0: Yeah, or just healing in they general.
1: Fi- oh yeah, they're they're finding that to be to be so true. Mm-hmm. Even you know even people say, "Oh, I don't believe in God." i you know I believe in science and medicine. They have found that there is a difference in the outcome of individuals who do and who do not have
0: have a faith faith. And that's in the research. That is in the research. Okay. So,
1: <laughs> And thank God somebody did the research. <laughs> and more
0: of it. I, I think I've seen probably in the last year more research on this topic than, than I've seen in a long time. And I think it's exactly what you said. People starting, uh, the science community starting to realize that they need to look at people as a whole individual, not separated from their physical experience in one um, arena and their spiritual experience in another. We're yeah. all whole people, whole humans, and that encompasses everything. And I'm really glad that um, that 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 research is coming forth, and I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see where you're you're gonna take all of this.
1: You know. Um Here's, here's one thing I, 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 I definitely, definitely want to say. If you are listening to us, here's what, what I really hope you, you take away from this conversation. Uh, there's no shame in having a mental illness. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like uh, you can have diabetes or high blood pressure mm-hmm. or many of the other things. Just like your heart can have issues, your mind can have issues also hmm And what we're trying to do is to erase the stigma. Right. There's, there's there's no shame. You can go and you can get help. And most of the time, most people can be helped. The problem comes in when there are issues and people deny those issues.
0: Right. And and that's a good that's a that's a, a real point. And um, thank you for bringing that forward because that's what we try to do. We try to talk about things here that are meaningful and that make a difference. And I hope that what you shared with our listeners today is going to do exactly that. So I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast again, Fred. uh, Fred, it's been great having you on. Um, Thanks to all the listeners for tuning in to Convos with Anita Santiago podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also reach out to me at convoscws at gmail.com. We'll also drop links to the website, the Shaw Hallelujah Network, and Fred's profile. All those good links will be dropped um, in the podcast description. Thanks so much.